0: On today's episode of Ask the Planner, we're diving deep into the topic of tented weddings. Many couples think a tented backyard wedding is a simpler and more economical option because you already own the venue, right? Well, today we're going to discuss the ins and outs of tented weddings, hidden costs, and things to look out for. Whether you're a couple in the beginning of your wedding venue search, or you're a wedding vendor, this episode is packed with useful tips, so let's get to it. Welcome to today's episode of Ask the Planner. Today we're talking about all things wedding tenting. You know I love outdoor weddings, but they can be fraught with unexpected issues, especially for couples that have never hosted an event before of this scale. In this episode, we're going to dive deep into this topic with my guest, Sarah Brehant of Sarah Brehant Events. Sarah and I met because we had the same business mentor and I've been so impressed with all that she has accomplished and how she continues to serve her clients. She plans absolutely gorgeous events. So let's learn a little bit more about her. Sarah is the owner of Sarah Brekant Events, a luxury wedding planning and design company that cultivates weddings that truly feel like you. She started her business in 2017 after discovering her passion for wedding planning and design through planning her own backyard wedding. With a background in interior design, it was an obvious choice to design events, and Sarah thrives in the role of managing, producing, and designing monumental moments. As seen in the Washington Post, CNN, Style Me Pretty, The Knot, and other publications, Sarah's goal is to design a magical, unique event that truly reflects each couple and creates an atmosphere that lends to a wonderful guest experience. Sarah Brehant Events is an award-winning company, gratefully placing in Hartford Best of for the past three years in both Best Event Planner and Best Wedding Planner categories. Located in Connecticut and serving all of New England, New York, and beyond, Sarah Brehant Events happily travels to all destinations. Everyone, please help me welcome Sarah to the show. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I cannot wait to talk to you.
1: Yay. Thank you so much, Desiree. I'm so excited to be here. I love listening to your podcast. And as you know, I'm super passionate about this topic. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you.
0: Awesome. Okay. So I love starting each episode, getting to know our guests a little bit before we dive into the interview. I read your bio at the top, but I would love for you to tell our listeners more about you and your own words and how you got started and what brought you to where you are today.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So where do I even begin? I always knew I wanted to be in the creative field. I was always a natural micromanager and logistics queen my entire life. And I knew one day I would be able to put it to good use. I ended up going to school for interior design. That's what I thought that I wanted to do my entire life. So it didn't come to much of a surprise when I found my passion in planning and designing events anyway. So one day I was the lucky recipient of an engagement ring when my husband proposed to me. And at this point I had absolutely no experience in the restaurant or in the wedding industry. I had a lot of experience in the hospitality and restaurant industry. And when thinking about a venue, we decided on our home because it was such a special place for us. So the very first time I planned and designed a wedding was it was a tented wedding. I literally flourished at figuring everything out. I know a lot of people get so overwhelmed and stressed in Planning just a basic wedding, even if it's not a backyard wedding, but it was like an exciting puzzle that gave me so much pleasure. I don't even know how to describe it. I'm sure, you know, most planners understand the feeling. So anyways, I was in heaven. I know most people, it would be a stressful situation, but I was in heaven. So anyways, fast forward to after the wedding, the planner I had actually hired asked me to partner with her and I immediately jumped into the industry and I learned a few things and quickly realized that I wanted to open my own company So a few months later, I did, and Sarah Brehant Events was was created. So I helped out at that point in different event spaces from catering to designers to planners and kind of followed them around. I hired a few different mentors to learn the ropes and began to teach myself how to run a business.
0: And here we are five years later. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I feel like a lot of us in the wedding industry... Come at it from different places, but we like naturally gravitated towards it because of our natural inclinations or things that we already did. It was like always in our blood and our bones, but we just found it somehow in a, like a very circuitous route. I feel like there's not very many people that are like I'm gonna be a wedding planner, and then they went out and did it. You know, totally. And most people who like see
1: the movie The Wedding Planner with J Lo <laughs> think that it's one God. thing, and they like don't realize. Like for me, I had no idea that it could be a career and a job and it's totally my dream job but it's absolutely not what somebody would think like when they picture a wedding planner they think of that movie which exactly. is really
0: common so yeah awesome okay so today we're talking about all things tented weddings so i invite you to come on the show because i wanted you to discuss outdoor weddings which are so on trend right now and just like you you know you got married in your own tent in your own backyard i love them you love them but Like I said, they are definitely complicated endeavors. So I wanted you to come on to discuss tenting basics that couples should definitely consider before moving forward with a tented wedding. Like think about you before you knew anything about weddings and planning your own wedding in your backyard. So for clarity's sake, we're going to talk about tented weddings from the aspect of a tented wedding at your home, one that you're building from scratch. Not at a venue that already provides a tent, although that is definitely relevant to the conversation that we're having, but it's going to be less stressful on your part if they already have a tent, obviously, because they they have it.
1: Yeah, so this is such a great question, and I love this topic, like I said. And also, like coming from what you had just mentioned... It's really important to still consider all of these elements that we're going to talk about today, even if you're having a wedding at a venue, because a lot of times when you start a wedding and you hire a venue and they come with a tent, you assume that they're coming with everything else. So this is, you know, just like go with this framework and make sure that everything is included that we're going to talk about today. But anyways, with that being said, tented weddings are my absolute favorite. They give us this opportunity to truly showcase our couple's personalities because they're just this completely blank slate, and oftentimes where the couple is the happiest, because obviously it's their home, it's incredibly special, and they've shared so many beautiful memories with you know each other and their families, so yeah, it's just, it just starts with this beautiful sentiment of a location
0: I love it I'm a very sentimental person, so I feel like having your wedding at your home is like the most sentimental and special place to have it because it is just where your love is created and when you're happy and and all that kind of stuff. And yes, the blank slate is amazing. Okay. So we're going to start with the basics. What is the first thing you think couples should consider if they are thinking about having a tented wedding? Okay. So the first thing that I always touch on is the one part that is going to
1: be the least comfortable to talk about. It's not the fun part, but you get it out of the way in the beginning and then you have way more fun after it. So the first thing, and I want to just kind of bust this myth now, tented weddings are not more affordable and they're definitely not easier than a venue wedding. In fact, they're harder. So that's why a lot of times there are planners like me and Desiree that specialize in tented weddings. So budget is always the main concern. And I would say our average couple probably spends about $1,000 per person on a tented wedding. Now, the weddings that I'm talking about are filled with tons of personal, beautiful details, and they really create a thought out environment that lends to a really wonderful guest experience. So I just also want to mention this does not mean a tented wedding has to cost that, but that is what our clients do tend to spend.
0: I think that's a good point because I'm glad that you brought up the budget first because While a lot of couples think, oh, it's in our home, so the venue is free, it's not because you don't have 150 chairs and like a kitchen and like all of these things that you're going to need to host that. So I'm glad that you brought that up first because I feel like it's like the elephant in the room. And so it's definitely something that we definitely need to talk about. Okay. So now we're going to talk about logistics. Now that the couples have checked off the budget requirement off their list, let's talk about the next thing. What should be the next issue or topic that couples should be considering when it comes to hosting a tented wedding? Well, we always start with the property. Obviously, this is the venue. So we walk the
1: property and figure out exactly where they are visualizing having their tent. And we make sure that the location, the ground is actually flat enough or will we need to have a floor built? If you do plan to do it on the grass, it really needs to be really flat because basically if it's, if you are just a normal person, you're looking at a plot of land, it looks flat to you, but realistically, it's usually not flat. It's not flat enough to host a wedding because you know you need to build a dance floor on it. You need to put all these tables. And if the tables are wobbling, it's going to result in plates and glassware literally sliding off the table. And that is not what you want. Most of our clients have one of their biggest priorities is the guest experience. So obviously we don't want that. We want everybody to be comfortable. They're not going to be on wobbly chairs. So we need to make sure that the ground is flat. With that being said, some of our couples love having grass instead of, you know, a floor built because that's the aesthetic that they want. So if you do go in that direction, you need to actually make sure that you tend to the grass. And that is a lot of work to make sure that it is beautiful and there's not like spots everywhere, which some people do overlook and they don't realize that it's not going to look great. And then, you know, it's just going to change because the grass is the base of your whole room. So with that being said, let me just move forward to the next point. When tents are being put up, they actually do get have stakes that go into the ground. So it's really important to get dig safe out to your property to make sure that the location of the tent won't be near any buried utility lines. When I was starting in this industry, I did not know what any of this meant. I believe that most men understand this stuff and I don't. I know that's a little bit sexist, but sorry, my brain doesn't work like that. I had no idea there was all this shit underneath the ground. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but anyway. Totally fine. Yeah. Okay, So water, <laughs> gas, data, electrical lines, they're all buried underneath the ground just in case you didn't know. And it's pertinent that nothing is hit when a tent is installed because, well, that would be a nightmare. So you call DigSafe and they will come out and they will figure it out for you. And by the way, DigSafe is free. So Let me see what else. Then we get to the type of tent. If you're working with more of an intimate space that's a little bit on the smaller size, you're going to want a frame tent, and that might be best for you. But if you have enough space, a sailcloth never disappoints. A sailcloth does have straps, so that's why it takes up more space because it generally takes up more space because it's not just sitting on a bunch of exterior frame you have to make sure there's a spot for a cook tent on the property. So many people think that their property is so big, but once you put up that grand tent, like you don't really have that much more space. So going back to the cook tent, I'm assuming that most people don't know what that is. So it's where they actually build the kitchen, the caterer and the planner. So basically envision it like a restaurant. It needs to be close enough to the main tent that it's functional to cook as a kitchen and run as a kitchen, but it still needs to be behind the scenes. Lastly, consider parking. So oftentimes our couples do not have enough parking on the property. And frankly, they do not want cars in the background of photos. So they end up having everyone bust in from a commuter lot and hire a transportation company.
0: That was intense. But I love every single thing that you said because it is so true. So I'm going to try to like respond to all of these things and then probably forget some of the stuff. Yes, I think it's really awesome that you brought up the fact that the lawn and the landscaping and that you have to tend to it as a really big endeavor. I feel like people think, oh, it's our home. It'll be great. And then they start looking around. They're like, oh, like our shrubs need to be better. We need to do more weeding. There's some bald spots here. And like I'm in New York and my husband always says, our lawn looks amazing in the spring and in the fall. And in the summer, it looks like crap because it gets really hot. And even though we water it a lot, like there's bald spots because like the weeds will come in and then it's just like a nightmare. But yes, like I think that's a really good point about having like all the money that people have to spend on the landscaping to make the rest of the home look good and to make your lawn look good is definitely a really good point. Also to your point about it being flat, I have been in so many places where like, oh, look, it looks great. Like, well, you know, we can build a tent here. And then you start walking it and like the land kind of rolls. There's like a dip here and like whatever there. And so like figuring out like the most flat area and then also thinking about like if there's power lines above, if there's trees above, like how tall the tent's going to be. Like having someone in the tenting company come out and actually survey the area and then also do the dig save, which you mentioned, is so extremely important. So I think those are all really, really good points. Of course, like the catering kitchen and the parking, because I think, again, like people are like, our neighbors will be fine with it. And we'll just like invite them to the wedding. But one, like, do you really want your neighbors coming? Maybe, maybe it's fine. Mm-hmm. But also like, where are all these people? If you think about a venue and how big a parking lot is typically for a venue, but now you're having to create that venue in the parking area, you're going to have to have transportation. I agree to like from a commuter a lot where people are going to go and you might not like that, but you know, that's definitely something that people should be thinking about. So all really, really, really good points. Thank you. So now that we know that we can pay for the tent and what kind of tent we're having and where it's going and all the safety stuff, what is your next point about what couples should be thinking about?
1: That's a great question, Desiree. Okay. So the next thing is lighting. Lighting is absolutely the most overlooked aspect when it comes to tented weddings. Most times people just think, "Okay, great, let's put a tent up and get some lighting in it. What they forget about is that guests have to walk to the bathrooms. They have to get to them from the parking lot. Maybe they're gonna wander. So it's really important for you to do a create a thought out atmosphere that is also safe. So the lighting company can absolutely help you with that if you walk the property with them and create lighting with like task lighting, exterior bistro lighting. Oh, and then also, of course, the cook tent. I have had people add a small tent and the caterer forgot to, if I'm doing like event management and the caterer forgets to tell them to add lighting and then they are really running off minimal lights. So that is definitely really important Um, as well. That's terrible. Yes. What else? Weather. Weather is such an important factor. This is probably the most challenging factor. So my motto with my clients is always hope for the best and plan for the worst. You're going to want to make sure to reserve tent sides and heaters in the cold months. And then the hot months, you can consider AC. And then you can also rent fans, but you really have to be intentional about placing them because they will literally blow everything off the tables and blow out every candle. It's a designer and planner's nightmare. So they're fantastic, but you know, have your planner place them. And then if it's raining or it's extremely hot out, you're going to want to rent in a dish. So this is kind of where the plan for the worst comes in with me. We usually have our clients rent a contingency tent for an additional tent that means that they're going to have a tent on hold with the tent company for a ceremony and cocktail hour because if it's raining your guests will all be crammed under one tent and it's just kind of like picture 150 people crammed into one space where they're you know sitting at your tables during ceremony then there's cocktail hour there's no time or enough people to turn things over so they're just kind of in one space and it really again, our couple's priority is the guest experience. So this really helps having those separate spaces and helps with the flow of the event. And it just really creates more of a thought out atmosphere to increase you know, the guest experience. So then moving on to different types of tents Clear tops are another story. So, we all see on Pinterest those beautiful clear tops where, you know, all the lighting. If you don't know what a clear top tent is, basically, if you're on Pinterest, you see that it's literally a clear tent. You can see the trees and the moon and all that good stuff through the tent and it looks amazing. However, they can be a nightmare. So, it's really important if you are thinking of a clear tent and you're like, let's say you want to have a wedding and you don't know what the date is and you want a clear top tent, you need to pick a date that is not the summer. I can tell you that right now. It needs to be like a cool time because they will get basically they're greenhouses. Like that's literally what they are. If you picture a greenhouse and you picture a clear tent, It's the same thing. So they're like greenhouses and it just gets beyond muggy and hot under them. If it is hot and the sun is beating on them, I've experienced grass getting singed because of the sun cooking it before. So, like, let's go back to what we talked about with the grass. Like, you spent like a year taking care of your grass and you pitched this clear tent and then all of a sudden you walk out and your grass is no longer green. Like, so that's what I'm talking about. So, I recommend doing a clear top tent if it's only if it's not during the summer months. That's all my tips. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that is such a good point because we were planning to use a clear top tent for a ceremony for one of my weddings. And it was early June and it's upstate New York. So it doesn't typically get that hot, but we had a record heat wave and it was a 90 degree day in June. So we we're like, nope, bag the tent. We can't do the tent because it's going to be a greenhouse. And so we didn't have it. Also like with heaters, I think, you know, you bring up a really good point with the tent size because people usually forget about the tent size. And even if you have a lot of times like the tent companies, and you can speak about this too, because there's different even kinds of heating. So if you have the tent and you have the sides and you have like those heaters that are just like a stand up heater, which is just radiant heat, and it's only going to get warm like near that heater. So having to bring in those more industrial heaters that are Flowing the air in is completely different and obviously like a different expense. And even just like the mechanics of that also is even more complicated too, right?
1: Yeah. So let me give you an example. So I had an October wedding. They did a clear top tent. It's mid-October, so you're expecting it to be like really cool out. It was a very warm day. As you know, this fall was super warm. And so they had a clear top tent. They had four heaters, which were the forced air heaters rented and the catering team started setting the tables, the florists, they were setting the tables, you know, putting all the centerpieces in and I'm standing under the tent and I'm like dripping sweat. And so luckily we did have later in the day, we had an attendant from a tent company. So what I did was my assistant and I ended up taking almost all the tent sides down because, you know, we weren't working under the tent, but all the team was like the whole vendor team was. So we felt so bad because it was so hot under there because we didn't have fans. Cause why would you need fans in October? So as soon as we took the sides down, it was nice and cool and it was fine. But what people don't realize is it's not just like a remote that puts the sides on and takes the sides off. It probably took us an hour to take them off. And then, you know, we had to store them in the back corner and then the guests began to ar- arrive for the ceremony. And so basically an hour after that, the the tent attendant arrives. So I'm like, Hey, let's start putting the sides up because I knew it would probably take a while. And basically we had him putting them up as guests began to get a little bit chilly. We started turning the heaters on and it took him two hours to get the tent sides up, but thank God we had him and we decided to have the attendant come because otherwise it would have been a mess. Cause you know, everyone has a task to do. And we need that additional person that's literally tasked with taking the sides down and putting it up, turning the heater on, you know, troubleshooting, that kind of stuff. So the guests were happy. They didn't even notice things were happening. I noticed things were getting chilly. So I made it, you know, I changed it in the background. So it was just kind of like managing the temperature basically and just making sure the atmosphere was comfortable. So it worked out great, but it was a lot of like sides up, sides down, heat on, heat off.
0: I feel like I'm almost getting stressed with you as it's happening because I totally know what you're talking about. Plus, even with the tent, it takes time for the tent to also heat up, too. Like, you can't just like throw on the sides, which obviously takes a while, and then expect that the tent's going to heat up in like 20 minutes because it takes time for that air to circulate and all those bodies and like all that kind of stuff. So, it takes someone to be thinking through those things and helping you manage it so that you're not having to worry about it on the day of the wedding. And yeah, you're super, super lucky that the tent attendant was there because a lot of times I feel like they don't come on the actual day because they're usually done. Like their stuff ends once the setup is finished. That was kind of one of those,
1: you get what you pay for things. And my client hired the most luxurious tent company and it came with an attendant, they paid the extra and boy, was it worth it. Because the heaters like weren't working at one point, you know, he was actually like stationed in his car. So I would text him and he would pop back over and the heaters would turn back on. Like, it's like spending a little bit more money instead of going the affordable route. Like, I mean, this is your venue, this is your comfort. So it's really important to, you know, you get what you pay for. So thank God they went the more expensive route because they got, you know, a fantastic tent company with a great attendant.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Okay, so uh, these are really, really great points. We talked about a lot. What is the next thing the couple should be thinking about after the tenting and the lighting and weather and stuff like that?
1: Okay, so sometimes when our couples bring us on site and we do a site visit at their house, sometimes they're like, oh yeah, we can, they can just use our bathrooms. Okay, so no, let's start with just no. So you need to rent bathrooms 1,000% your tent is going to be way further than your house than you think your plumbing cannot handle that many guests just rent trailer bathrooms their luxury trailer bathrooms are comfortable people love them they're heated and they're air conditioned they're comfortable just talk to the bathroom company and make sure you're renting one that's large enough for your guest count and then also with the attendant thing Have an attendant. So if you think about a venue, their staff takes care of the bathrooms. Like they're making sure there's toilet paper, paper towels, there's not trash everywhere. The toilets are working fine. So having an attendant does that. So it's really important to also include that and make sure that they have that. And sometimes it's an add-on and sometimes they come with it. So with the bathroom topic, the one thing I would say that gets overlooked 1000% every time, unless I mention it, is vendor bathrooms. So when the setup begins, it's never on the wedding day. The tent usually goes up like days before the wedding. And obviously, if you're not in the industry, you don't know this, but you're looking at like sometimes eight hours and 20 people on their team to pitch this tent. And these people need to use the bathroom. And you don't want these people in your house, and they don't want to be in your house. So really, I recommend having our couples rent a separate bathroom for vendors. And not only is it great for the vendors, but it's great for your guests because if you're renting that bathroom, that is also for the guests and the vendors start using it days before. And like, you know, they're trekking through the mud and they're working hard and you know, we're not clean because we're sweating and working really hard in the days leading up to it. So it's important to rent two separate bathrooms instead of having that one bathroom that the vendors are using and then having it also as the guest bathroom and also the water supply runs out. And so anyways, we recommend having two bathrooms. And then also with that being said, there's like 20 person crews on the tent set up. And then if our clients do a lot of lighting, there's another crew that's like 10 or 20 people and they're there the next day for like eight to 10 hours too. like it's a lot of work and it's a lot of people and a lot of, you know, bathroom use. So, yeah, that's my bathroom talk. <laughs>
0: so, I think though this is the really not glamorous part of what we do, but it is absolutely essential because people have to use the bathroom. And no, you don't want those people, I love them, they're great, but you don't want them checking through your home days leading up to the wedding. And yes, like the bathrooms, you know, people start drinking and it gets messy. Like you need someone to be taking care of that bathroom and making sure it's nice cuz the venue normally does it, but the planner can't do it because she's doing other things. You don't want to be doing it because you're the venue, but you absolutely definitely need somebody on that bathroom. And guys, like I know we say like you need a restroom trailer. There are some really nice restroom trailers that are air conditioned, are nice, and like sometimes they're even cooler than the tent itself because it's small and contained. So the bathroom can be like a nice little respite of cool air also.
1: It's too. like a little break. It's really nice. Sometimes. oasis. An oasis. Yeah, especially when it's like cool out. Sometimes like the tent is not heated yet because it's not really like there and most people don't need the heat. And then you go in the bathroom, you're like warming up a little bit because for me, I'm always the one that's cold and everybody else is comfortable. So yeah, they're luxurious. Yeah, yeah, they are.
0: (laughs) And they're not even like that. I mean, they're expensive, but they're not astronomically expensive that I think that it's going to be cost prohibitive. If you're going to be spending that much time on your event, you need to have good facilities for that for sure.
1: Right. And remember guys, like we're talking about the basics, like we're building a venue here. So this is what the venues come with and this is what we need in order to host a wedding on your property. And actually with that being said, the last thing that I almost forgot to talk about was power. So a lot of couples have, you know, enough power that they could supply all of the electricity for the wedding. But we actually have in our contracts that our couples have to rent generators because basically you're talking like, okay, so your house is already powered by all of your electricity in your house and now you're doubling it or more. And what happens if it fails? So if it fails, we're talking like no bands, no light, no food, no power. The wedding vibe is done for. So it is so important to rent a generator so yeah we require the generator but also with the generator add another attendant the power is so important and if that fails that attendant is there to fix it immediately we're not experts at lighting we're not experts at electricity i don't know anything i know some things about electricity but i'm not an expert at it so having that attendant is
0: so important Today's episode is brought to you by our Ask the Planner Wedding Planning Template Shop. Regardless of where you are in the wedding planning journey, our template shop has wedding planning shortcuts created just for you. Our most popular item is the Ultimate Wedding Planning Checklist for Couples, no surprise there, and the Wedding Mood Board Template. The checklist is a game changer that tells you what to do when as you plan your wedding. And for all my decor-obsessed couples and fellow wedding pros, the Wedding Mood Board Template organizes that messy Pinterest board into a cohesive decor plan. For my wedding pros out there, my styled shoot, photo, shot list, and timeline is also just for you. Get access to all wedding planning shortcuts and more in the Wedding Planning Template Shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. Make sure you use the code Podcast10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Again, use the code Podcast10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. So one thing I did want to bring up just because you already touched on it, but I kind of like wanted to reemphasize it. The kitchen facilities, which you already said is super, super important. Guys, I just wanted to bring up this trend that a lot of people are thinking is cool and awesome, which is renting a VRBO home and then hosting a wedding there. So it's not your home, but it's somebody else's home. And then they think that, the home is great. And then that they can have a caterer work out of that kitchen. That kitchen is not going to be big enough for the caterer to plate and set and prepare all of the food for your event. So if you're thinking about doing that, don't do it, especially if you're going to have like more than like 35 people there. Okay. That's just my note. Now that we talked about logistical things, what else should our couples be thinking about as it pertains to their tented wedding?
1: All right. So I'm going to move on to a few like fun design things because design is my jam. And I know that everything that I have given you tips for has probably been very stressful up to now. So I'm going to make it a little bit fun. So here's a couple tips that I usually use to do my design. So if you have something that is an eyesore outside of your tent. Like let's say you have maybe the cook tent right outside of the tent. Cause that's the only place it will go or cars or literally anything. I would add drapery. So drapery is so great in so many ways, but if you're trying to actually block an eyesore outside of the tent, have drapery, which literally is like a wall. So they put the drapery on the tent and it just comes down as a wall. So it blocks whatever's behind it. And it just creates this really pretty soft backdrop and photographers like it because the light bounces off of it too. And so with draping, there's always draping. So you can drape the sides, you can drape the poles, you can drape the ceiling. So if you're looking for like a really romantic, soft feeling, then draping is always great. And it also makes the tent feel really comfortable and homey. So with the pole draping, some of our couples think that pole draping actually blocks what's on the outside. And I'm talking about when the drapes are just like cinched around the pole, not when they're actually creating a wall, but we love to do pole draping because it just creates again, this like soft, comfortable, homey environment. And then there's also the last type of draping, which is on the pole wrap. So let me just describe like the different types of tents. So there's frame tents and there's sailcloth tents. And then there's also century tents. So most of our couples end up using sailcloth or frame tents. And the frame tents are great because they take up less space in your yard, but they are actually metal frames. So a lot of the times our couples want to drape the poles to cover them up and that looks beautiful. And then the century and the sailcloth tents have not just exterior poles like the frame tent, but they also have Interior poles. So they're in the middle of the tent and they're actually holding the tent physically up And so there's usually like I don't know probably what four max so between like two and four usually I would say on average it's like three depending on the size and the shape of the tent, but If it's a century tent, then it's going to be a little bit of an eyesore, so you can do pole wraps, which is just drapery that's basically wrapped around that pole, and it makes it blend in more. And then for sailcloth, all the poles are going to be wooden, so it's really pretty, but sometimes people don't want that wooden pole sticking out, so they want it to blend in, so they end up wrapping it in drapery. And again, you can talk to your drapery specialist, and they will guide you through this. They're amazing to work with. And then moving on, oh, you can also do greenery around the poles. That always looks beautiful. You can cover the poles up or just accentuate them with greenery. And it's a lot more affordable than people think to do that. If you don't have the budget to do greenery on every pole, you can always just do the middle poles. And then, yeah, that's basically it for greenery. Then there's lighting. So there's two main types of lighting. There's bistro lighting and twinkle lighting. That's always the question. Which one do you want? So Bistro, I would say, is probably more popular. Just to describe it, it's like the bigger bulbs. People sometimes think that they're called like carnival or market lights. And they look beautiful, but they do lend more to a rustic look and a comfortable feel. And then there's twinkle lights. And that lends more to like a romantic, glamorous look and pairs beautiful with drapery. Basically, if you just picture like the types of bulbs in Christmas lights, it's like that, but it doesn't look like Christmas. Unless you think that Christmas is like the most romantic, glamorous look, then yes, it looks like Christmas. It could, like the best Christmas tree.
0: I feel like I'm gonna think about that every single time I put a Christmas tree up now. I'm like, oh, look, it's like <laughs> But they are, they're like little twinkle lights, but they're like soft and they you know they twinkle, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, totally. And then so if you do twinkle the ceiling a lot of people want ceiling drapery and ceiling drapery pairs beautifully with the twinkle lights. It doesn't really go very well with bistro lights. I don't see it that commonly combined, but yeah. So, so when you're thinking about designing a tent, obviously let's say we have an unlimited budget. I usually go for chandeliers and pendants and greenery on the ceiling, you know, and flowers hanging from the chandeliers, but let's be realistic. We don't have that type of budget for every wedding. So I'd like to pick a focal point under the tent and When I think about a focal point, I think like what is most commonly used and what is the most photographed spot? And that answer is always the dance floor. So, my personal favorite is to design around the dance floor. So, I almost always put the couple on one side of the dance floor, whether it's a head table or a sweetheart table, and then opposite the couple and on the other side of the dance floor is the band. And so What I do is I design so we can actually repurpose our aisle flowers. So I have these beautiful aisle flowers on each side of the aisle and then the florist stays on site and they'll actually repurpose those flowers and they'll put them in front of the band stage because like, let's get real, like the band, you really have to design around that because it is an eyesore. So it creates such a beautiful backdrop when there's flowers in front of the stage and then you can also do if you have the budget to do some sort of chandelier or pendant, I always focus over the dance floor. And then if you can continue that, I do that a little bit over the head table or the sweetheart table.
0: I think those are really good points because people forget that we can reuse stuff, you know, from the ceremony to the reception tent, which I think is always like a nice way to make your budget go further. And yes, like the band is definitely essential but having something to kind of take your eye away from all of the equipment and all of the gear and all of like the speakers and having them focus on the flowers or greenery, et cetera, is a nicer way to kind of like act as your backdrop for a lot of your dances and stuff too. So I can completely agree with that.
1: For sure. Oh yeah. I didn't even touch on like all the important moments and like why this is the selling point. You have like, introductions first dance the toasts are always right in front of the dance floor all of the formalities all the traditional aspects are all on the dance floor under the tent for the reception so like that's why i picked this spot and then of course you have the partying so i mean a lot of times it's dark by then so you can't even see the flowers and you just have your candles lit and the lights dimmed but yeah, that's why that spot is always my choice. And then, oh, the last place that I love to design and choose to like create a moment is the bar. Obviously we know like people visit the bar. I would say for me on average, it's two to three times a wedding. Sometimes it's more, More. sometimes it's less, (laughs) oftentimes it's more, but I mean, you're standing in line a lot of the times. And I like to just create moments for, you know, the guests that kind of add to the guest experience. So I like to do like either greenery on the bar or a really beautiful arrangement, some really cute bar menus so people can actually read them while they're waiting because like the worst thing for me is when I get to a bar and I'm like, what do you have? Like I have to make this decision so quick and I need people to like help me, you know?
0: Or you're standing in line behind them and they're like, what do you have? And then they're looking and they're like, I don't know. And then they're like, can you tell me again? And then they're like, yes, not making their decision. You're like, Can you please just order a drink so I can order mine?
1: Not to mention like those signs expedite the line, like it will expedite the process. So they will already know what they want when they get up to the bartender and then it will help with the line. My last little thing is we love a bar back that's cute because it kind of creates like a statement. So if you have like an accent color, I love to do shelving behind the bar and then do like accent colors of like, you know, colored goblets. So like if you have this blue accent color, I love to do like blue goblets behind the bar. It always looks super cute.
0: I think that's a really good point because people forget about what's going on behind the bar, but there's still stuff back there and people are looking back there. So having a nice backdrop to the bar is definitely a nice thought. Sarah, this was such a great conversation. I'm so excited that we got to chat today. Is there anything else that you wanted to add that we haven't covered Yeah.
1: I feel like I covered everything, but so I would just say like, if you're hiring a planner and you're thinking about hiring a planner before you do anything, just hire the planner and have like start from scratch because that's what I always recommend. Like if you're going to invest in a planner, use them to the fullest extent, hire them before you do anything. They'll walk the site with you. They will literally just help you through the process. You won't be up at night being stressed about anything and all these things that I mentioned, you basically won't even need to think about because we will do it for you. And if for some reason you decide not to go in the route of a planner, rely on your vendors, ask them for their expertise and their opinions, have the tent company walk the site with you and ask them what they think and what they recommend for everything. And just like rely on what they know because they are the experts.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that because The planner can definitely help you avoid making costly mistakes of things that you didn't forget to budget for or things that logistically wouldn't work for whatever reason. So I feel like utilizing the planner to their fullest capabilities and definitely taking advantage of all of their knowledge is just going to save you time, money, and headache in the long run. So yes, another plug for hiring a planner.
1: Yay! Yay.
0: (laughs) Before we get to our final segment, I wanted to ask you one last question. What is one thing that you wanted to debunk about the wedding industry or outdoor weddings in general, since we have you. All right. So this is kind of not really about outdoor
1: weddings, So it's like this question that I keep getting. So I just had to talk about it. So people keep saying like, oh, what do you do in your time off over the winter? So my debunking is that planners do not have the winter off. So let me just like give you the full picture in New England, at least for me personally, I don't do a lot of city weddings. My wedding season is basically like May through October. Sometimes I have a couple throughout the winter, but mostly it's May through October. So people are always like, Oh, what are you doing? Like, you vacationing the whole time? So the answer is no. Planners actually end up spending, I would say, about 200 hours to plan each wedding. So what we're doing is we're actually sitting behind a desk and we're planning everything out, communicating with the other vendors, figuring out the logistics. And then we're doing like site visits, mock ups, food tasting, and just basically planning out the logistics for most of our career. So, in the winter months, that is what we're doing. People think that our jobs are so fun, and I do think that they're really fun. I love my job so much, but I have such a passion for it. And I know a lot of people don't realize like what it really entails and that it does take a lot of work and that we are not on site like twiddling our thumbs, watching these beautiful flowers being made and like everything being, you know, just put to life magically without like lifting a finger. So I am just debunking that. Yes, we do work on the winters and our
0: job is not all glitzing. It is the opposite of JLo in the wedding planner. It's the opposite. Like I do not wear Chanel or Gucci coats. I don't know when she was like tying on those coats. I'm like, I would ruin that in like two seconds at a wedding. Yes. So we're going to get to our last segment, which is this or that. So I'm going to ask you a question. You can share with me what your thoughts are on each. Okay. Do you like surprises or do you prefer spoilers?
1: Okay. So at a wedding, absolutely not. (laughs) I do not want a surprise ever because we are planners and we need to plan for things. So like if the dad would love to play a video for his daughter during his speech, I would love to help out, but I can't do it if he's surprising me because I can't communicate with the band and run a projector and figure out all of the logistics if he's just kind of spur of the moment situation a minute before it happens. So do
0: not surprise a wedding player. No. Oh my gosh. There's so many things that could go wrong. Agreed. Okay. At weddings, kids or no kids? This is so timely. I was actually just
1: interviewed from an article in today.com about this. So I think there's a time and a place for kids and weddings are not it. I just tell parents, use it as a date night and get a sitter and let loose and enjoy yourself.
0: I agree. I love that. I always love it when I get to attend a wedding. I maybe love it too much. And then the next day it sucks because I have to attend to my kids, <laughs> but I love using it as an opportunity to have fun without my kids. Love my kids, love them. But you know, like, I love the time without them too. Okay. Paper invitations or electronic? So I like both. I kind of use this as like paper or electronic
1: stationary. So for save the dates, I love like an eco-friendly situation, save the planet. So I love electronic save the dates. But when it comes to invitations, I'm always about the paper For so many reasons, but from a designing standpoint, this is the first glimpse that your guests will get of the vibe of your wedding. So it's something that our couples and I and the stationer love to design together. Also, like adding on to that, electronic save the dates, they're tough. Like people do not remember to RSVP. So paper is definitely more helpful in that way that they receive that piece of paper. You're literally hand feeding them, like just literally write your name and fill out what meal is. And then the postage is already on that. Just put it in your mailbox because it's hard to get RSVPs. It is
0: so true. I feel like people are struggling more and more these days with even getting the RSVPs back. And if you send it as an electronic email, think about how much email we get. I think I get much more email than I get physical mail. So I feel like it's so much easier to just file it and think that you're going to get back to it and then you don't. So that's a really good point too about the logistics of that. Okay. Oh, giant cake for the wedding or a mini cake and mini desserts. Okay. So my answer is
1: based on my personal preference, but also what I've seen for, you know, adding to that guest experience, guests love a dessert station. Like they love when they get to pick and have like a couple different options. So I love a mini dessert situation. And then I don't know if I made this term up, but I always use it. Our couples love a sweetheart cake. It's just a small cake. I don't know. Is that a term? Like, did I make that up? I don't know. I've been saying it for a couple of years now.
0: I don't know. I just call it like a mini or a two-tier cake. But a sweetheart cake is a cute, nice little branding of it. So I like that. I'm going to have to borrow that. Perfect. So our couples love a
1: sweetheart cake because they still get to the cake cutting tradition, which is important. It's a great memory. So yeah, I like to do the mini cake and the sweetheart cake and the mini desserts. Love that. Okay. (laughs) Next band or DJ. Okay. So if I had to pick, it would definitely be a band, but like realistically, my answer is actually both. So With the answer of band, there's literally to me and to add to that guest experience I keep talking about, it's just because it is my client's priority. It adds such an entertainment factor and basically it's like a concert and a wedding, like how much better can you get? But it is important to consider that if you're adding a band, it creates a lot more expenses. So first off, you need a stage. So that is expensive in its own. You need to make sure that the stage fits under the tent. Your tent is large enough So let's say you're having a 10 person band, you have to feed those 10 people. And then they also come with sound engineers. So that's a couple more people. So you have to feed them and then provide them with a table and a chair. So that's another table, another linen chair, you know, all that stuff that you then have to rent. So it is a larger expense. And then the reason why I like both is because the band does have to take breaks and every one of my clients is always surprised by that. I mean, they're really like okay with it but it comes as a surprise so i love when we come with a dj too because when the band takes a break no matter what even though they are still like they're pressing play on an mp3 and it's playing music if there's a dj that comes on like it continues with the vibe and the dance floor continues instead of pausing and taking a break
0: all great points i think that's so true okay four dresses all matching dresses for bridesmaids or different Honestly, I don't have an
1: answer for this. My biggest thing is just make sure that you are respecting your bridesmaids body types and making them feel comfortable. So whatever direction that you end up choosing, just what I like is I like, this is the kind of dress that I want, whether they're matching colors or they're different, you know, patterns or different colors, picking that, that actual like color and then letting them pick the style. So they, to respect their different body types. But I mean, I think I love a mix right now, honestly.
0: I kind of love the mix just because I feel like I see all the same all the time. So I think mixing it up takes more work and effort. Oh, yeah. So that's just something to think about, too. But obviously, we can help you with that. Okay. Favorite season for weddings? Oh, my favorite season is definitely the fall.
1: Because, I mean, ideally, you just picture you get like a cool ceremony and the sun is still out. And then once it's crisp and cool out, the guests are in the tent and the heater's on. So it's like comfortable no matter what. And then you have the gorgeous leaves that create the most stunning backdrop for photos. And then my favorite flower, dahlias, are in season, and they are such a great wedding flower. So fall it is.
0: Last question. What's the worst thing that you've seen or heard of happening at a wedding?
1: All right. So wind is a difficult factor in weddings. So Like, luckily, this doesn't sound like such a big deal, but it is still a nightmare. So, we had like all the tables set for this wedding. The tent was pitched like right next to the ocean. We did have tent sides, but they weren't down. They were just kind of rolled up. And then the centerpieces were blowing over. Water was getting all over the tables. The menus were blowing away. So, basically, like everything on the table, except for the plates, were blowing. And so we kind of, as a team had to go fix everything and put it back. We had to find things that had blown away. Sometimes once they blow away, they're gone forever. So basically we kind of just put our heads together. Luckily we had a fantastic florist. She had, you know, a bag of tricks. She literally like glued all the centerpieces down to the table, but in a way that she could remove whatever she was sticking it with. And then we ended up actually doing a different napkin fold. So it was like, you know, the in menu insert. And we had these beautiful place cards that were on sea glass. So we put that on top. So we kind of maneuvered it around in a way that it was all weighed down. And then we put some tent sides down on the side that the wind was coming in and it fixed it. But boy, it was, you know, you don't have the time on a wedding day to do things twice. And it was tough, but we fixed it. And the candles stayed lit. Thank God for the tent sides. And we were able to get rid of the tent sides eventually. And it was great. The clients never knew. So that's the best part.
0: I love that because we're like, it was terrible, it was horrible. I have PTSD from it. But guess what? The client never knew. So everything is great. Like wind can be so annoying because it can be really strong and it just blows everything away and it's terrible. And -hmm. it's like, it blows things over and you lose like everything you said. And it's just like, there's nothing more that a planner hates than things that she can't control. So
1: mother nature. Amen. Because we are control freaks. That (laughs) is our middle name. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, Sarah, it was so lovely talking to you. I'm so excited that you were able to join us on the show. Before I let you go, can you let our listeners know where to find you online?
1: Thank you so much for having me, Desiree. Okay, so my Instagram handle is Sarah Brehant Events, Sarah with an H. And then my website is
0: SarahBrehantEvents.com. Perfect. Thank you so much again for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Brehant of Sarah Brehant Events. Thank you, Desiree. And that concludes today's episode with Sarah and all things related to renting a tent for your wedding. We've done many tented weddings over at Verve, but Sarah's company specializes in them, and it's clear she knows all there is about tented weddings. I wanted to have her on the pod because I know a lot of couples think a backyard wedding will save them money in the long run, but building a venue from the ground up is no joke, folks. So, I wanted to get you all the ins and outs with Sarah on today's episode. Again, for the episode show notes, make sure you visit verveventco.com forward slash 81. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 81. Also, be sure you give her a follow and a shout out on Instagram at Sarah Brehant Events. That's Sarah with an H, Brehant Events. Speaking of shout outs, it's now time for our review of the week. Our review comes from Maureen KH, who gives the show five stars, and her title is Professional Useful Wedding Planning Tips. As another wedding industry professional, I find Desiree's advice to be tested and true. She is upbeat, matter of fact, and concise in her delivery of her knowledge. This podcast is a no-brainer for couples to add to their wedding planning resources. Thank you so much, Maureen, for that amazing review. I love it when vendors also review the podcast because I think you guys would call me out if you disagreed or I was misleading couples with bad information. Speaking of vendors, I would love to know if you, who are listening in the car or wherever, are you a wedding vendor, a couple, getting married, are you planning a wedding? I know I have both wedding vendors and couples that listen to the podcast, and I want to make sure I create relevant content to you who are listening. So could you drop me a quick review in Apple Podcasts and let me know which one you are and what other topics you want me to cover in the show? Of course, most of our topics are generated from stuff that you all are asking me, so I want to make sure that we are getting to stuff that you want to know. Don't forget, you can always call our wedding planning hotline at 585-210-3467. Again, that's 585-210-3467. Your question can always be anonymous if you prefer. And finally... Y'all, we are in the second week of 2023 and our podcast community still doesn't have a name. I love talking to you each week and I think you deserve more than being just called a listener. I mean, I think we can do better than that. So one of my goals for this podcast for 2023 is to come up with a name and I'm asking for your help. If you can propose the winning name for our podcast community, Whatever you all want to be called, you will win a one hour all access call with me. It can be on Zoom so we can record it and you can replay it back so you don't have to take any notes. I will answer any and all of your wedding planning or wedding business owning questions. If you are a couple, we can put together your wedding budget. We can talk about all the pros and cons of a venue that you're considering. We can draft your wedding design all of the things you can literally pick my brain about anything. And if you're a wedding vendor, you can ask me any question, how you got started, how I started a podcast, how I have a wedding planning template shop, like literally whatever you guys want, how I grew my business, whatever, the whole hour completely free. All you have to do is come up with a name for our people. So all entries will be accepted until the end of February, 2023, if you're listening to this live. So that's February of 2023, at which time you will all vote. So leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your suggestion, and I will update you all on it each week when I hold you guys accountable. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, about like what kind of name, what are you talking about, Desiree? think Taylor Swift has her Swifties, Caitlin Bristow has her Vinos. I want something for you. I know you all won't let me down. So get those names in. Okay, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Again, if you want the episode show notes, make sure you visit verveventco.com forward slash 81. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you.